0: You're listening to RTE Lyric Live. There's a sense of the organic in the music of Gabriel Fauré, a constant seeking out of the unconsciously known, of return and regrowth. We hear this especially in his chamber music, and it's this that I'll be focusing on. While changes in the work of other composers clearly show over time as different ideas and preoccupations arise, the development of Fauré's music through his career follows a more insular pattern, his early music showing premonitions of the future, while the late works seem to retain glimpses of ideas heard decades earlier. It's not that he literally repeats himself, but rather the music reflects the work of someone always conscious of the need to understand himself, to be true to the methods and ideals that he pursued. Alongside this, Forey could easily assert his novelty and originality. We heard the opening bars there of his first violin sonata. This was the first piece of chamber music he composed, and it was completed in the summer of 1876, when he was aged 31. At the time, French music was still largely focused on the voice, whether in art songs or operas, and it had only been the establishment just five years earlier of the Société Nationale de Musique in Paris by Forey's teacher and mentor, Saint-Saëns, that now encouraged a new generation of composers to write purely instrumental music. The idea that chamber music could be fresh, French and original, rather than locked into the traditions of the Viennese school of Haydn, Mozart and Beethoven, in many ways starts right here. From the violin sonata number one, opus 13, we heard Anzovi Mutter with pianist Lambert Orkis. That work was given its first performance in January of 1877 at the Societe Nationale with the composer at the piano alongside a brilliant young violinist, Marie Dayot. Sanson, in the audience, championed the work, later writing, A magic floats above everything, encompassing the whole work, causing the crowd of usual listeners to accept the unimagined audacity as something quite normal. With this work, Monsieur Faure takes his place among the masters. Faure had another work in progress already, this time in the then unusual medium of the piano quartet, and it proved to be the first of two in this combination. It was perhaps Foray's way of avoiding the lengthy shadow of Beethoven that still hung over the form of the string quartet, or it was simply his desire, as a pianist himself, to maintain a presence as a performer. It certainly proved a very popular piece from its first performance, and it's not hard to hear why. Listening to the scherzo of this work, one is immediately struck by its easy assurance and sense of freewheeling movement, the rich interplay between strings and piano in constant flow. The ensemble Domus, playing from the second movement of Faure's piano quartet, number one in C minor, his opus 15. Faure doesn't really fit into any obvious stylistic category. Indeed, in evoking various shades of classicism and romanticism, Faure etched his own stylistic parameters, knowingly drawing in the richness of the past whilst keenly innovating. Following the example of Saint-Saëns, his teacher, Faure began work on a cello sonata, while the quartet we just heard was still being composed. In this case, however, progress eluded him. Typically, he would begin composing a work with its slow movement and then build his way around it. At a private salon in 1880, he had a movement for cello and piano played to rapturous applause, and it was probably this next piece. For a couple more years, the planned sonata remained in progress, but never found its way back home, as it were. Finally, in 1883, he published this same movement as a standalone piece. Is it, as some would argue, one of the last manifestations of French musical romanticism? A dreamlike work, it's certainly much admired. This is the Élegie, opus 24, And we hear part of it now played by the great Jacqueline Dupre, accompanied by Gerald Moore. Part of an unfinished work too good to be abandoned, the elegie for cello and piano may work well as a standalone piece, but other unfinished works offered a less easy way out. Of all of Foray's chamber works, one that proved especially problematic as a compositional project was his first piano quintet, begun in 1887. It developed in earnest over the following two years in tandem with his growing friendship with the violinist Eugène Isaih, with whom he performed several concerts. Isaih was enthusiastic about this new work, and Faure promised to dedicate it to him with the intention of having Isaih's quartet play it. Unhappy with how it was progressing, however, Faure put the quintet to one side in favour of the two Verlaine song cycles Cinq Melodies de Venise and La Bonne Chanson. He returned to the quintet in 1894, but still to no avail. It felt unwieldy, unbalanced. He wanted to completely revise the opening movement, and it clearly preyed on his mind. Finally, in 1903, he was back working on it again. It was a last-ditch effort, and the atmosphere had changed. He was beginning to suffer the debilitating deafness that would affect him for the rest of his life. All of this made him question his own priorities as an artist. Writing to his wife, he found himself talking about the sincerity of art, saying, You're right to value chamber music as much as you do. Indeed, in it, as in symphonic music, you'll find real music and the sincerest translation of a personality. That last phrase, the sincerest translation of a personality, points very much to Faure's own artistic sensibility, the idea of a correspondence between thought and musical feeling, something which feeds through everything he did. He found himself sketching what looked like a new piece, perhaps a violin sonata, until he realised that it could actually be the basis for the quintet's new slow movement. This proved an important transitional moment in his work as a whole, ushering in a more mature style. Over the two succeeding summers, the only spare time he had now that he was directing the Paris Conservatoire, the work came together, and Isai and his quartet finally performed its premiere in 1906, after waiting nearly 20 years. The opening to this quintet, with which Fauré struggled so much, is one of the most beautiful things he composed, deceptively simple yet richly atmospheric. the opening of the piano quintet number 1 opus 89 with pianist Cristina Ortiz and the Fine Arts Quartet the idea of forres self-awareness as an artist linking thought feeling and action and the meditative insularity of his work makes him a very strong candidate to be the or at least a model for the fictional figure of the composer van in Marcel Proust's novel in search of lost time In particular, its fifth volume, The Prisoner. Central to this part of the novel is a sequence concerned with the performance of a piece by Ventreu which affects different characters in different ways. It raises the question of the mystery of style and of artistic creation itself, characterised as an unconscious search for a return to the source, a reintegration with a lost sense of home. This character, Wenteuil, as Proust narrating puts it, striving to do something new, interrogated himself with all the power of his creative energy, reached down to his essential self at those depths where, whatever the question asked, it is in the same accent, that is to say, its own, that it replies. Such an accent, the accent of Antoy. There is something of that in the constant pairing away and the search to express the inexpressible that contributed to Foray's method as well. The last decade of his life, as he came into his 70s, saw a renewed concentration on chamber music. Even in retirement, he kept to his regular habit of spending his summers in the beautiful Savoy region of southeastern France, near Lake Annecy. In the summer of 1923, he was back there, and found he still had the energy to write a little music every day. To his own surprise, he began composing a quartet for strings alone, one of his very few chamber pieces without piano, and certainly his most ambitious. Still aware of the ghost of Beethoven hanging over the string quartet, he kept it a secret, but nevertheless pressed on, and a year later, the following summer, he completed it. The string quartet, Opus 121, proved to be his last completed work. Knowing that his disturbed hearing would ruin any performance of it for him, he requested not to have it played. Typically, he began writing this work in the middle, with the slow movement. And that's where we end, with this performance by the Eben Quartet. You're listening to RTE Lyric Live.